Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Matthew chapter 7 and reading for our text, verse 21. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 7 and verse 21. And it is specifically upon my spirit, the latter part is doing the will of our Father which is in heaven, which is is so vital if we are to enter into heaven. And I want perhaps first to speak to the children this morning. You children, our text is speaking of doing a father's will. Now I'm sure that you would remember the stories of Joseph and the story of David and Goliath. Now both of those stories begin with Joseph in one case and David in another doing what their fathers asked them to do. Both of them, Joseph was asked by his father to go and take food to his brothers and he obeyed and did that. And from that, Joseph came into Egypt And all of his brothers were saved and his father from the famine that later was to come. And Joseph was brought to be next to Pharaoh in Egypt. All of that happened because Joseph obeyed his father. His father didn't say to Joseph, go and bring food to your brothers because what shall follow that, you will be next to Pharaoh and you will save us all alive. All Joseph knew that he was doing what his father told him to do. We need to remember that. The simple obedience to your father and to all of us, to our father which is in heaven, how much relies on that. And you think of David when Goliath was fighting Israel, that David as well was told by his father to go and bring things to his brothers and see how they did. His father didn't say to him, uh, Goliath is there, I send you to fight him and to be shown before all Israel that you are going to be the next king. All he did was to send him to his brothers and he obeyed and all that followed on afterwards came from that obedience. Now, Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest example of obeying his Father, coming from heaven to this earth, being a man, taking a body like ours, and to living on this earth for those 33 years, and then suffering the death of the cross. When he was 12 years of age, and those of you here are not yet that old, Then he was in the temple and he was listening to the uh, teachers there and being taught and speaking to them the things of God. And when his parents, Joseph and Mary, went to find him, 
He said, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? He was doing his father's will, his father's business. And this, this is the message this morning. This is so important for all of God's children to do their father's will, to obey him. And it begins in the smallest things. It begins in obedience, obedience to our parents and to those over us. And so that is the, the message here this morning. And what we are speaking is relation to the will of the Father. But I want to confine it now to very specific uh, relation to his will. So it's not submission to what God brings into our lives with Joseph, going back to Joseph, with him, God brought all of those things into his life that happened. Joseph had not to decide that he was going to go down into Egypt, decide what he was going to do. It's taken out of his hands, but he was able to say later on, to his brothers, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And so I'm not talking this morning about God's will that is done in our lives, things that come with the illness or things that happen, and we need to be submissive, bow before what God has done. Like in the book of Job, Job said after... God permitted Satan to take all those things away from him. Then he said, the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is not that uh, submission to the will of God that I want to speak about this morning. It is not even knowing the purpose of God or what God is in intending to do because we have in John chapter 6 and verse 40 the Lord saying this is the will of him that sent me that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. So we are told what the will of the Father is there but it is what is being brought about by God, by his work in sinners' hearts, in his people's hearts. But it is knowing the will of God in what we are actively to do, what we are called to do through the word of God. The word of God speaks to us, we're not just to hear it and say, well, that is interesting, but there's nothing that we go away and do. We are, our Lord is teaching here that we are to be doers of the word. The whole parable of the one that built his house on the rock or built his house on the sand was the difference between someone hearing the word of God and doing it, that's like building on the rock, or hearing it and not doing it, and that is like one that built his house on the sand. So it is that context, that thought, that we speak this morning. Now I know 
that the context here, what surrounds the text, is especially speaking about false prophets or false ministers. Those that, like in verse 15, the Lord warns, he says, beware of false prophets. And he says in verse 20, therefore by their fruits ye shall know them. What the fruits of these false prophets are, you shall know that they are false prophets. Also, we uh, have as well in verse 22, uh, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? So these are people that are actually saying they have spoken in the name of the Lord, they have cast out devils in the name of the Lord, they have done many wonderful works in the name of the Lord, but the Lord says, I never knew you. So the immediate context is of those that preach the word, and it's a real warning to us, everyone that speaks in the name of the Lord, that we actually have the saving faith of God in our own hearts and that it does affect our lives. We are obedient ourselves. It's a very easy thing to mask or cover over having a real faith in our own heart by outward works, outward doing things. In the beginning of this chapter, it speaks about those that are judging others and not judging themselves. It's easy to condemn other people. It's easy to see faults in other people than to see it in our own. And while we are telling other people how they should live, we can be not living that actually ourselves. And so this is the real warning that is here. And it's not as if it is just a few cases, that it's just some people will be like this. It says in verse 22, many, many will say to me in that day, many. That's a, that's a very frightening thing, to think that there shall be many, many people who have actually been religious people, speaking to others, and yet when it comes to that last judgment day, the Lord will say he never knew them. And one of the secrets of it is in verse 23, where he says, Depart from ye, me, ye that work iniquity. They had never been turned away from their sin. They were still walking in sin and evil. And the whole point of the gospel is that we be saved from our sins. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall save his people from their sins. And if sin is still having the mastery and complete dominion over us, then we need to be very, very concerned and, and regarding a verse like this. All of God's children are plagued and troubled with sin, they have sin of their own heart. But if we can just live a life, a religious life, and take no notice of our own heart, how we're living, what we're doing, then 
this is the, the, the character here that is spoken against. So the, the word is, He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the solemn reality, not everyone that is saying with their mouth that the Lord is God, Lord, Lord, not everyone that is saying that they are a Christian are actually a Christian. And those that will enter heaven, we are told here, are they that do the will of our Lord's Father which is in heaven. So the things that we need to look at this morning with the help of the Lord is firstly the will of the Father that is done by those who enter or shall enter into heaven. Then I want to look secondly at the will of the Father in providence. It is another aspect of actually doing the will of the Father. And then thirdly, the assurance we may have in doing his will. It is a sure evidence and a sure mark of being one of his children. But firstly, the will of the Father done by those who shall enter into heaven. I've already highlighted the context here, an outward profession which is one thing, but then there is iniquity, there's evil that is in the heart. So the will of the Father, it affects the whole of that person. It will affect all their life, will answer to what they actually say. Now our Lord applied this word in verse 24. Our text is in verse 21, and then after the Lord has spoken the words that follow our text, he says in verse 24, therefore, so he's joining what has gone before. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, and so the will of the Father is actually what the Son is speaking, or the whole Word of God, hearing the Word of God and doing that Word. And this is by our Lord uh, set forth right after the, the, the text. So we don't want to lose sight of this, hearing the words of the Lord and doing them. It is being obedient unto the gospel. It is renouncing all other ways of salvation than the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 6, where many went away from the Lord because they couldn't receive his words. They said, this isn't hard saying. Now, the Lord had been teaching them. He'd been giving them words. And they went away. And the Lord said to the apostles, Will ye also go away? And Peter said, To whom can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And really there is a renouncing of every other way of salvation. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And we need to be very, very clear of this. Some people may be troubled and they say, well, what about nations or perhaps tribes in the jungle that have never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there no hope for them? Can they not be saved? And we need to remember that all of mankind are sinners. We have all sinned. We are all under the sentence of death. God does not owe it to any to save any at all. Uh, the, the sentence was, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the fact that he has made a way of escape, made a way to be saved, and that through his Son and the sufferings of his Son is a great mercy and a great grace. There is no other way of being saved but through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we need to send the word out into all nations. That is why there needs to be missions. That is why the word must be proclaimed. But it is of the Lord's sovereignty that he has chosen those to salvation. They shall hear the word of God. They shall believe. They shall obey the gospel. And they shall know that there is only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's a fashionable thing, it's the most solemn thing. It's even been said through surveys in America, even of evangelicals, that they allow that others can be saved in some other way, some other faith, some other religion. Such is the deceit of teachers, even that profess the name of our Lord. And we must be very, very clear that in obedience to the Father's will, that all that the Lord testified, that if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall perish in your sins. Uh, those that turn away from the Lord, there is no other way of escape. There is no other way of entrance into heaven but through the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the very first place, that is a vital aspect of the will of the Father which is in heaven. He hath highly exalted his Son. He has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. It is being obedient to the gospel in the aspect of justification by faith in Christ alone. That is the only way that we can be accounted free from condemnation is by believing that Christ Jesus has taken our sins and bore our sins in his body on the tree. He has paid our debt. He has suffered in our place and he has ascended up into heaven, and that it is in that way that we are justified. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanseth from all sin. There is no other way of sin being put away. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And that again is the Father's will, 
that all that come to heaven, they are brought to that true faith and true trust, resting in Christ alone. So not in their own works, not in their obedience, not in anything that they have done, but firstly in what Christ has done. Another aspect of that vital obedience is that where uh, a soul is justified by faith with our resting in Christ alone, joined with that will be sanctification, set apart for a holy use. Their lives will be different. Their lives will be changed. Come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. They are washed with the washing of water by the word. They are made ready for heaven. We sung in our first hymn, uh, Prepare me, gracious God, to stand before thy face. Thy spirit must the work perform, for it is all of grace. That preparation is vital. Those that truly believe, it shall be reflected in their lives how they live, what they say, what they do. They will be new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that is the will of the Father. It is the obedience of faith. Now it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, he is very clear there is justification by faith in Christ alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. And yet, in his epistle to the Romans, he is very clear of the works or obedience of faith. And so we have in chapter 1 of Romans, he says, by whom, that is through uh, the uh, Son of God, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So it's obedience to the faith of God, to the faith of Jesus Christ. Then we have in the 15th uh, chapter of, of Romans, and in verse 18, <clears throat> for he says, I dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. The Apostle is very clear. His object, his aim is that the Gentiles, those that are not of the Jews, that they would be obedient by word and deed. He uses the word of God he uses his own example as one that is converted with the end to make the Gentiles obedient to the faith and to do that which the Father would have them to do. We have then in the last chapter, really it's a doxology at the end of Romans, in Romans 16 and from 25 to the end, he says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel 
and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God hath made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. So he gives a summary, the reason why the mystery of godliness, why the gospel is made known to all nations, is for the obedience of faith. You and I have faith, saving faith, faith that trusts in the Lord, that trusts in his word. We would remember that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is through the word of God we are brought to faith in Jesus, to trust in him, and it is through the word of God that by faith in that word of God it profits us. You read the solemn word, the word did not profit them, being not mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so when we read the word of God, we need faith joined with it so that it actually profits our souls. Now, when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and I will be mindful that when we think of the will of God, that we, we, we cannot give you all what is required in the obedience to the will of God because it contains the whole of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. The, the one thing that is spoken to the seven letters, the seven churches in the Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And what was said to those churches was things that they were doing, their works. On one hand, they were commended for what they had done right. On others, these churches were reproved for what they were doing wrong, allowing error or walking in a wrong way. And so the hearing ear is given, and then there is the uh, answering to it, a uh, following on in that obedience. We have in the epistle of James and some have even wondered whether uh, the epistle of James should be in the word of God and especially Luther, he struggled with it because he felt it clashed with uh, Romans but as we've shown, Romans does not clash with it and in James, his message is very clear that Faith without works is dead. There must be a joining together of a doing with the faith. And he says that even in a natural way, if we have a brother or sister that's naked and we say to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but we don't give them what is needful for the body, what profit is there in that? It doesn't help them at all. And he says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. 
Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And so it is a very vital thing. And he gives the example of Abraham when Abraham offered up Isaac on the altar. Abraham didn't just say, when God told him to offer up Isaac, I believe that thou art able to raise him up from the dead, even if I offer him up. And he stayed where he was. He didn't do that. He actually went to offer him up. And so uh, James uses that example. Was not Abraham our father justified by works or accounted free from condemnation because his faith was real when he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. So it's not just what we say, is what we do. And when what we do answers to what we say, then that faith is a real faith. That is what glorifies God and what is the will of the Father. So when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, just to use one chapter in Thessalonians, in chapter 4 of Thessalonians chapter 1, he says to them in the first verse, Furthermore then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the will of the Lord Jesus. So the very introduction to that chapter, he is telling them, that there is a way that we are to walk that pleases God and that they are the commandments that are given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And really in this chapter, there are five things that would really mark out the walk and obedience to the will of God. In the first eight verses, or that goes through, to verse 8, is speaking of the will of God to keep ourselves clean from the uh, defiling sins of this world, the evil desires of the mind from fornication and adultery, having a pure love and not the uh, imitation of the devil, which is the lust that is in this world. That is put as the very first thing and is the thing really that plagues and is right through the whole professing church of God. Wherever there is a falling away, usually it is. It comes down to the base evil uh, nature that we have. And that is the first thing that all of God's people must pay attention to is the greatest enemy and attacker of the child of God and where their greatest weakness is and where they need the greatest help and grace. And he puts that first. And then following that, he puts the pure love of God. In verse 9, 
as touching brotherly love, making it very clear this is not inordinate love, it's not a wrong love, it's spiritual love. When David said that the love that he had to Jonathan was a love surpassing the love of women, that is not an inordinate, a wrong love. It was love in the Lord. It was love as a brother, or as some would have uh, in other cases, a sister in faith that is completely different than the so distorted evils of today in, in a wrong love. And so the will of the Lord, uh, those, and, and with the Thessalonians, the effect of the gospel, if you go back to chapter 1, he says the effect, our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Ye became followers of us. There was something they did. And of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And so there was that love to the brethren. In John, we have the token. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. I wonder how many of us can look upon that token as a as a blessed token the Lord has given us, that those who we once despised and did not want to be with, they are now our brethren, and we love the brethren. And being let go, we go to our own company and can rejoice when we can meet with those that we can speak on the things of God and choose to do and delight to do. And this is one of the things that is marked here, practical Walking out, they that feared the Lord, they spake often one to another, not just of gossip, not just of the things of this world, but of the things of God. And that is the will of the Lord, as iron sharpeneth iron. People of God, not forsaking the assembling of themselves together, joining together, walking together, hearing one another, seeing one another, strengthening one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another daily, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that is the will of the Father. May we have that, and may it be a comfort and help uh, to you here that realise the Lord has given you uh, that brotherly love and to the, the, the people of God. And then in verse 11, that you study to be quiet, to do your own business, to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Uh, the Thessalonians, they were uh, leaning to an error of just idleness, waiting for the Lord's coming. But he says, no, it is very important that God's children, they still have to live in this world. And how they live is very important. You can't say, well, he is a very godly man, very pious man. But you look at his life, and he's the worst employee that there is. He's the worst neighbour of the street, and he's the worst husband or father or wife or whatever. How we actually live our lives is as well governed by our faith. It answers to what we do. We mentioned, I think, in prayer, the apostle saying, 
I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace of God should define our character and our life and make us to be what we would be. And some of us can go back to our conversion and if the Lord had not called us, had not given us grace, then our lives today would be very different. Our husband or wife would not be a believer. We would not have chosen them. Our children would not be brought up under the sound of the truth. We would not be found in the house of God. Our lives would have been very, very different if the Lord had not intervened and come in for us and changed our heart and given us faith. And so all of our lives, that should make a difference. And with us, it should be a conscious effort and desire that our lives mirror our Lord. Take thy yoke, my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The teaching is that we will learn how to live in our lives by following the Lord. Then we have in verse 12 how we are to walk towards those outside, that ye may walk honestly towards them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. One of the things that the true church of God, they're in the world but not of it, they're not only walking before believers, they're walking before unbelievers. And the will of the Father is that we should walk honestly before them. In temporal things, in spiritual things as well. Not giving the lie and saying, well, I've got my religion, you can have yours. You, you can go on your way. And by implication, giving an idea that, well, I'll be saved my way, you can be saved your way. And we walk honestly towards those that are without, not just in temporal things, but in the soul, you will say to them that they will perish in the way that they are going and that there is only one way. And I wonder how honestly we do walk towards those that are without, those that are yet dead in trespasses and sins. Are we faithful to them? Are we very clear to them? Or are we giving the impression, well, you can have your religion, I can have mine, and we'll both get to heaven at last. Our text, the context of it is, no, they won't. And we should be very clear about that for ourselves and for others. And then we have, in the end of that chapter, a looking for the Lord's coming again. At the last trump, when the Lord shall return, one of the great evidences and one of the great things of the will of the Father is that the New Testament church is looking for the Lord's coming. Those in Hebrews that declared plainly that they sought a country and a city yet to come, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. But they were waiting for his Son from heaven. They were looking for the second coming they knew that their rest was not here, it is polluted, and they were looking for that which was awaiting in heaven. And so that is affected how they lived and how they walked here below. And so just in one uh, chapter in Thessalonians there, we, we have a, a little sample of the Father's will and how we are to walk and to please God. But we should have this in mind all the time we read the Word of God. 
Is the will of the Lord being set before us? Is it speaking to me as something I should be doing or not doing or turning away from? Uh, we think of the ordinances of God's house, this do in remembrance of me, the Lord's Supper, baptism. They are commandments of the Lord. They are not optional. They are evidences of true faith, being obedient to the Lord. And anyone that is willingly disobedient in that way, they're not doing the will of the Father. They are seeing in the Word of God, this is what those that have received grace and receive the faith of God should be doing, but I'm not going to do it. And it's a solemn uh, position to, to walk in that way. Now, our text says, those that shall enter into heaven, not those that are just saying, Lord, Lord, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So we have just, and briefly, we can only just briefly just mention uh, some of what it means to do the will of our Father which is in heaven. But now in second place, the will of the Father in providence. That is, when we act or make decisions following directions. Very interesting with the Apostle Paul when the Lord called him by grace on that Damascus road which we can read of in Acts 9. His very first inquiry was to ask of the Lord when he was, he stood trembling and astonished when the vision appeared to him on the Damascus road and he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He wanted to know the Father's will that the Lord would tell him what to do. And the answer was, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. There is a will of God for his people that involves them, that they are to know what to do. Moses must know that he is to go into Egypt, and though he makes many protests as to why he shouldn't go and another should go, when the Lord appeared to him in the burning bush, he must go, he must obey the Father's will in that matter. And so with Paul here. Then we have in the next chapter, in Acts 10, and we have Peter. Now Peter, God's will, was for him to go and preach to the Gentiles the first time. Cornelius had a vision from an angel and bade to go and uh, fetch Peter, told him where Peter was, and the Lord worked the other way as well, and appearing to Peter so that Peter was made willing to go. And Peter had the vision of the sheep let down from heaven. And so we read, while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men. And so there was an acting. There is a will of the Lord for his people. 
And sometimes it means moving house. Sometimes it means moving church. Sometimes it means going into the ministry. Sometimes it means into the diaconate. There is that which the Lord would have his people know is the Father's will and to obey that will. Our Lord spoke of one time of a situation where two men were told to go and work in my vineyard. One says, I go, but he went not. And the other one says, I go not, but afterwards he repented and went. And the Lord then asked the question, which one of those twain did the will of the Father? It was not the one that said, I go, but then he didn't. It was the one that in the end, he actually went and made willing, made willing in the day of God's power. So may we remember that, that in our lives, we're the people of God, we are not our own. We can't just decide, well, I'm going to do this and go into this place and sojourn, uh, as James says, but he said, when we make these plans, if the Lord will, you'll do this or that. Sometimes we can just add that to so many things in our lives, if the Lord will. I mean, we put a poster up of what's going to happen in a, in a church or a service and people would condemn us if we left out God willing. But when we put that in, do we really feel that? Or if we're making plans in our workplace, we say, well, they're unbelievers. When we're sending out the emails, we're making those plans. And do we ever put, if the Lord will? Or is it just confined to the people of God? Or are we giving a message to other people? Well, actually, our lives are subject to the will of God. We acknowledge it so. And we want to do the will of God. And so, in providence... He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, it will affect our whole lives and it will be things that we actually have to decide and say, this is, I believe, what the Lord is calling me to do. I'm going to rise. I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk in this way or I'm not going to do this. I'm going to uh, turn away uh, from those things. Well, lastly, in the third place, the assurance we may have in doing his will. Really, we are told here of those that are not doing the will of God that shall not enter into heaven. But we are told in the latter part, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, they shall enter into heaven and that is that is a blessed thing it is something that is inseparably joined together those that do the will of god here and those that shall enter into heaven may we never separate those two the lord will give grace and glory no good thing shall he withhold from them that walk uprightly that's not salvation by works, but it's salvation by a faith that is walking rightly. That's Psalm 84. And it is a way that we should pay real heed to. Our walk is not an indifferent thing. It's not a separate thing. Faith is not just a matter of the mind. 
that does not then apply to our hearts and lives. But when the Lord has made a difference in our hearts and in our lives, and sometimes it can be a great comfort when the devil comes in, he says, well, you're not a child of God. That which you thought you had, that was just imagined, it's not real. You can take him back and say, or Paul would say, all right, if my faith was imagined, if that was just some fanciful vision and not real, why was I different after than before? Why was that change made in my life, if that was not real? And so the things that are actually done and said, we can look back in our lives and in a lot of ways it comprises our experience. If I was to write down some of my experience, there'd be things that have actually been happening in my life, things that I've actually had to do or not do, things that I've had to, uh, that have made a profound difference in my life. They're not just things that have been in the mind. Other people have been involved. And, and, and decisions, uh, places of where I've worked, where I've gone. And sometimes that can be a great comfort and an answer to the adversary and to our doubts and our fears that the Lord has walked, worked in our hearts. He has made a change. There have been times we've been made so willing and that we have done what we would not have done otherwise if it had not have been the hand of the Lord upon us. And so there is a lot of assurance in this. He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, they shall get to heaven. We shall see the face of the Lord. And may it be an encouragement and help to us here below to know and to do the will of our Father which is in heaven. May we always remember that our whole salvation, it depends on our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who did the will of his Father, even obedient unto death, the death of the cross. And wherefore he is at the right hand of the Father. And his will is that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. But our desire should be, while we are here below, that we... Be doers of the word, doers of his most perfect will. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.